The following is a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management. Welcome to Business Sense Radio, a weekly program featuring interesting topics and fascinating guests brought to you by your host, Edward King. Each week, Business Sense Radio tackles issues and concerns of people across all spectrums. Now with this week's program, here's Edward King. Thank you very much, Mark. Um, we've got a very interesting show today. What we've got here is we've got a debriefing from an election. And I've been very fortunate. I've got a combination of Kristen Hurley, who was Peter's Hernandez's campaign manager. <clears throat> I've got Peter Hernandez here, who is still in the midst of the vote counting. So we have not said we're not going to win, right? That's right. It's not over. It's not over until it's over. <clears throat> and then we have Dalila Epperson, who has been in our radio show before. She also ran for, what was it, President of the United States? Or, yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that, and came a close second. So we were very, very pleased to have her. But she also participated and was involved in uh, Peter's election. And as everybody needs to remember, Peter ran for Congress in District 18. Correct. Yeah. District, Congressional District 18. Yes. And uh, it's still, uh, the votes counts are not done. And when I started hearing some of the numbers today in terms of the percentages, I have to say that I'm um, amazed that with today's high-tech world that we've only counted about 20 or 30% of, of the votes. And yet, the, of course, the Democrats have already claimed victory when most of the votes haven't been counted. I know personally, I checked on mine, my vote hasn't been counted. And not that I'm anybody special, but, you know, I, it's days after the election. Why is that? So <clears throat> let me start out with um, just making a couple of comments. It, it amazes me as I look at the election results, at least the ones that have been called across the country, how people are voting against their best interest. I can't think of a better word for it. Who in their right mind would vote and elect a person to be the representative as a senator that is basically, unfortunately, I feel sorry for him, but he has got a broken brain. I'll just call it the what it is, and it's just amazing. The other thing that really disappointed me is that there are numbers across the country that... <clears throat> Not unlike, but just like the 2020 election, they incorporated some drop and roll ballot drops. And there are some numbers that are showing up that have uh, greatly impacted different elections. So I'm going to bring us back to our guest. Today, our guest, I'm going to start out with Kristen because she was the campaign manager and, you know, what we're going to do is we're just going to hear, you know, what was it like from start to finish to be a campaign manager? I have a lot to say. You guys better look out. Yeah. I've been bottling it up for five months here. I, it's, 
it's a fascinating experience to get to be in the middle of an actual congressional campaign. Who would have thought this is not me by profession Mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form, but that's the whole point of grassroots is ordinary people taking responsibility for themselves and the people in their communities and their families and kids and whatever and saying, okay, fine, I'll throw down and participate. And that's sort of my background and story uh, recently come to participating in politics. Now, am I nuts? Maybe, <laughs> but there you, you get left with few options the more you think about things, especially here in California. Yeah. Do I stay or do I go? I'm staying for X number of reasons. Okay, what do you do about it? To make it palatable to stay here in California, central coast of California, in a very liberal area. And we all, you know, beaten a dead horse a million times over the events of the last couple of years and how California in particular, Gavin Newsom in particular, has made things fairly egregious watching the, and sorry, this is a little bit of a background, but I will hit my, I'll hit my point in a minute, you know, watching the legislature, the state legislature in the last year from someone who never paid attention to what actually was going on in Sacramento to watching closely what our elected representatives go and throw in our faces um, really gives you that motivation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Take, take up sword. Right. So, um, you know, as Peter would say, long story short, having come across Peter a number of times in the last year through various, you know, parents' rights groups and uh, those of us in our local county areas trying to have some sanity and participate and take matters into our own hands, um, you know, after the primary where Peter did really well and was going to advance the general, um, he needed some help with the campaign. And so that was sort of a perfect storm of enraged mama bear, Kristen Hurley, looking for something tangible to do, um, you know, with some decent amount of organizational skills, not perfect. And, you know, a lot of energy to throw at, um, at a project. So we, you know, there's so many details to go over, but I think an integral, huge part to this whole grassroots campaign was our volunteer staff, staff, our volunteer crew, People came out of the woodwork. How can I help? How can I help? Mm -hmm. And Peter really is, you know, was the right guy at the right time, so to speak, for this race. It does does an excellent job of inspiring other people like myself to say, I'm going to get involved and what can I do? And I think that's, you know, that's the bulk of what happened. Our experience of the last five months Mm -hmm. is everyone just piling on to get this done. Okay, so now I'm going to go to my next person who... Dalila Epperson, who we've had on the show before, just like we've had Peter Hernandez on the show before. And uh, you ran yourself down to your bone, I guess, or just wore yourself out running your own campaign. Where did you find the energy to step up and jump in with Peter Hernandez's? Oh, it was uh, without hesitation. Mm -hmm. When I did not pass the primary, I still had my team intact. I still had all the grassroots rooting for me. Mm -hmm. And we just were a little stunned. But without hesitation, the very next meeting that I had, we decided right then and there, we were going to help Peter. Mm -hmm. I knew Peter before he had decided to Mm -hmm. run for Congress. So we knew who he was and where he stood on everything. We knew what a fantastic candidate he is. And so without hesitation, 
everyone on my core team, there's six of us, reached out to all the other grassroots groups. And without, again, without hesitation, we all went 100% over to Peter's District 18. And we combined forces with everything that Kristen is doing. And it worked out fantastically, phenomenally. I just cannot say enough about grassroots and everybody that has been involved in Peter's team. Mm -hmm. So Kristen, just... Adding to your group, her group, how many people did you have that was primarily involved in supporting Peter's run for Congress? Well, we had one or two actual, like, you know, some paid people, our social media girl and website guy and that sort of thing. Um, but volunteer crew in the 80s, I, in fact, to wrap it up, Peter, I should probably take an actual accurate guess uh, account, but... Uh, in the 80s, mm -hmm. um, we had an incredible canvassing team, people every weekend and then during the week, door knocking. We covered the district. We blanketed the district. 65,000 door hangers were hung on doors. Um, innumerable conversations had, that sort of thing. We had an enormous crew, mm -hmm. uh, especially in the San Jose area, which actually I think she ended up maybe 40 people, my, my lead in the San Jose area, which to me felt like an impossible hill to climb to penetrate into East San Jose. Um, but the, um, the phone banking team, they, over the course of, and I want to say this was somewhat done in the primary as well, but probably mainly during the general election time, made 570,000 phone calls. Wow. And I want to say maybe all 20 people consistently calling, something like that, hours every day making phone calls, leaving, you know, a lot of voicemails, mm -hmm. speaking with, with uh, constituents a good a number of the times. Wow. Anyway, so, and, and it goes on from there, you know, the ways that we reached out in the community and the things that we did. But as, as I say, it was one heck of a team. Mm -hmm. You can't do that without manpower. So did you all eat pizza? Or was it burritos? I mean, I tacos, baby. Taco. Tacos. This is <laughs> Latino uh, majority district, right? Yeah, <laughs> we ate a lot of tacos and a lot of tequila. My dad. Oh no! <laughs> you you have to be level headed while you're doing all of this. It's at the end of the day that you get the little break. All right, now we need to get our candidate online, Peter. So you and I both agree that you are still in the midst of the campaign because the votes are not in. That's right. Uh, we, uh, I mean, there, there's a roughly 30% of the, of the voters uh, that have, have been counted. So there's still a long ways to go. The expectation is roughly 55 to 60% turnout. And what I'm hearing in California is uh, the, 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 Everybody else, basically outside of a, a Democrat, is increased their turnout higher uh, than 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 other years. So it seems that there's still a huge opportunity for us to be able to win this. It's gonna, uh, yeah. So we're yet to see, right? Because uh, yeah. for for some reason, there's been a longer than normal delay as far as counting. We're seeing this happening in Arizona, and the, and there's similarities, Ed, with. The issues with, like in San Martin, their their uh, their uh, adjudicate. Or I'm sorry, their um, their machines were basically broken. The 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 mm -hmm. um, the ballot counting machine, mm -hmm. and uh, and they were they were collecting the ballots and putting them in a bag and saying, "Hey, we're going to go ahead and count these 
after the polls close, which technically is not legal. So, uh, so there's issues that have happened and it's just as frustrating as it gets. I've ran two races and I've never had it this bad. Mm-hmm. Well, it's easier to manipulate the total counts if you can confuse the process along the way. You know, if, if we go back to elections back in the 90s and the 2000s where we didn't have the technology and the computer power, we had no problem getting the votes done within a, the day of the election or at worst case early the next morning at five or six. But in today's world of high tech, Manipulation turns to need to make it a little smoky, gray, hard to keep eyes on where the ballots are going. Yeah, I would say it it, it uh, makes it very clear the perspective of those in leadership right now when it comes to the process. Because just like with legislation, and it's very convoluted, it's it's ambiguous, it's a uh, hard to, it, by default. It's hard to interpret. You you lose people, so there's not as much engagement. Yeah. You you bring that to the elections process. They've made it so complicated. There's so many different ways to to vote, right? And the whole idea of choice uh, is is it's always sounds appealing. Their intent, right, with the Voters Choice Act, mm-hmm. but the out, end outcome is is confusion, frustration, and ultimately division, right? The very thing that they say that they're not trying to do is the very thing that's actually happening through this process. That's pretty much right on. I mean, basically everything they accuse others of is the thing that they're doing. That's right. And and that's the bottom line. Now, what was some of the personal highlights that you had during your campaign? I mean, because you can been campaigning for what, five months or something like that on, on the general election. What are some of the joys and highlights that you experienced? Well, um, it's it's one of the things that honestly that I had a very strong conviction from the beginning is what engagement looks like is just learning from people. So I had a lot of joy in just talking to the average person and understanding their perspective. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's lost with what it means to represent. When you talk to the voter, just because they don't have a, a degree or they don't have the level of understanding that others do, doesn't mean they don't have wisdom. They they I've always said they know the issues better than anybody else. Because they feel the issues, yeah. right? So it just takes better listening to understand where they're coming from and how you basically can come up with a plan to resolve it. But then obviously, as far as the, the, the campaign itself, it's been, it's been very, very humbling, Ed, to see these two ladies and many like them basically supporting me, supporting this campaign, working as hard as they are. I mean, I've had many instances where Chris is lining me up with the next thing that I have to do, but she's sticking around to put up signs to to go more door knocking even longer. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's profound to me that there's that many. It, it definitely is a burden because at that point it makes me feel like I got to carry my weight. I got to keep pushing harder. And it felt like we were almost in a little bit of a like there was a level of competition. Like how many how much mm-hmm. harder can we try, right? And that's what I saw out of the volunteers is five hours longer of phone calls, right? Instead of just once a week, they would be doing it three days a week or four days a week. And uh, we'd get these emails from one of our team members, Michael Hogan, who would basically update us and say, hey, this is our our our, uh, our our last lead, basically the leader of the leaderboard with the phone calls. And he just highlighted whoever that was. Yeah. And before you know it, they were all competing against each other. But there was a lot more highlights uh, with when it came down to uh, all the different 
support that was starting to grow, mm-hmm. you know, the different uh, industries from the farm industry to, uh, yeah, to the small business community, the Latino community, obviously. So there was just such a learning experience. It was really amazing. And then honestly, it refined my ability to engage and refine my ability to speak to the public and really just uh, understand better what the solution was that they needed. And it was just, I think it was profound. It definitely put me in a position uh, to maybe run again. <laughs> so, well, I would believe everybody in the room and everybody that voted for you wants you to run again. And, you know, the opportunity is still there for you to win. But even if you win, you're going to have to run again in two years. That's right. You know, so this is a, a, a long winded process. It's a marathon, not a, not a hundred yard. Dash and um, so, what are you going to do with uh, your current elected position? So, I only have two more months as a county supervisor. It, it's funny because that's definitely been settling in as these last couple of meetings, and me being the chair of the board, it's yeah, it's been an honor. So, I only have two more months to serve, and and then I'm officially no longer a public servant. Um, you know, so it, that's it. Mm-hmm. Were you termed out over there, or you couldn't run for both? I couldn't run for both. I see. Yeah, it, it's just there. They there was no overlap. Most people that run for two races, yeah, there's a couple years left on their current term, and if they right. lose, then they still have that one. They still have a chance to rerun for their. Yeah, there wasn't that opportunity with me. Right. Okay. So, um, when do we think that we are going to start seeing some legitimate ninety percent of the vote numbers? Do we have an idea about that? <clears throat> it's supposed to be Monday or Tuesday. Um, of it depends on the December county. December or November. In three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. But yeah, so with San Benito County made a public statement that they were going to release Tuesday. Santa Clara is re- releasing every day, but it's kind of peculiar. Again, there's a lot of these these what would seem to be anomalies, but there's 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 like similarities, even though they're supposed to be not the norm. Yeah. Um. That. In Santa Clara County, as they've been releasing numbers, they've been doing the same thing that Maricopa has been doing in just very small drops, like 2,000, 3,000, mm-hmm. 4,000. It's just inching away. and th- There's not a big drop. And I would imagine Santa Clara has tons of, vol- I mean, I'm sorry, um, workers to be able to do this. Right. But for some reason, they're not. They're not. So long and short, yeah. But it's just, it's ridiculous that, that, uh, we have to wait that long and I don't know what kind of percentage drop that's going to mean. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where we have to pay attention. I have been to the Monterey department of elections office every day since the election and watching what's going on back there and asking questions. Sure. And I've asked for specific information and I was finally told after a couple times, three times I've asked for specific information, I was told to email them. So finally this morning, I emailed them and I CC'd, um, there's a lawyer helping us out uh, with codes and such. Exactly the information that we need, the VBM's uh, voter ballot mailed in and a whole list of information that they're supposed to be giving to us according Mm -hmm. to the public act. So. We're waiting on that, and we have asked them to give this information by the end of business today, 5 p.m. So let's see what happens, because it doesn't make sense, these ballot drops, what's going on. It doesn't make sense it's taking this long. That office is filled 
with paid workers. We're sitting there watching them. Oh yeah. So well, there, it, none of this makes sense. So stay on. Let's ask you now. When you ran in the primary, what what kind of experiences would you want to share with future grassroots people who passionately want to get involved? We have 2024 literally around the corner already. Um, what would you share that was learning experiences to help people become more efficient at running for office here? I would say the advice of experienced people, mm -hmm. connect with them and bring them into your group because their experience, their take, their perspective is going to help you become organized on what you need to do to be successful, to be efficient. Mm -hmm. I'd say the organizational process and to be efficient and succinct is the most critical you combine that with going grassroots or being, for me, it was just being grassroots in that I was the first one to knock on doors, to go to small businesses, to stand outside of farmer's markets across the whole district and speak with people at mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. So that combined with, others experience and their take on it their advice their suggestion i mean it was just pure wisdom that's what i would advise is to connect and speak on with if it takes hours meetings whatever it takes yeah. before you go forward before you put your program on in writing well it seems to me that one of the biggest challenges about doing grassroots is is you don't have um a backing of election after election after election, you know, the machine that was behind other candidates. The only two things that you really can do, in my opinion, is you're correct. Managing, organizing, funding, getting the messages out, owning the media, not having the media own you. But the other thing that is cr critical, and I think it's the failure of the of the party in this election, is they did not get a message out. Like, here's an example. I talked about the Fetterman earlier, who's an idiot. Excuse me, did I say that out loud? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. That's putting it kindly. And that was kind yeah. yeah. But the, the person that was running against him, Dr. Oz, his message up till two weeks before the election was, vote for me, I'm Dr. Oz. Mm. What? What, what is your message? What is your platform? It's, I'm Dr. Oz. <clears throat> now, I see that the Republican Party totally missed the boat here. They could have killed the message with the economy. Energy independence. Corruption at the government level. Immorality in our schools. Crime on every corner in every neighborhood. If those five issues, when 80% of the populace vote... What would? And yet, they're pretty soft on all of that. That's right. <clears throat> they're just really soft. Now, message-wise, Peter, what was your message? What was it that you brought to District 18? So I had uh, the, the three adjectives, or I would say, uh, yeah, they were 
my my goal was to be action oriented, right? So I already knew what it felt like to deal with bad policies as a county supervisor and the negative implications of them. Uh, part of it was lack of transparency and uh, the way that they dress these policies up in the reality that they're not actually having the benefit that they portray. You know, I, I, I argued Prop 47, you know, the, the Healthy Communities and Safety Act, basically it was something that positioned itself as something that was going to um, supposedly address crime in a way that was going to uh, create, prevent recidivism. Long and short, it, it ended up creating a complicated outcome and by default decriminalized, uh, the, you know, when it came down to people that were doing things that they shouldn't have been, it made it easier for them to get off easy. It decriminalized crime. Yeah, basically, yeah. So <laughs> Basically, yeah. So I, uh, my focus was renewing the rule of law. So when I said that, and as I went out there, obviously I would, I would ex- expound on it, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, to me, renewing the rule of law meant we actually honored uh, equality under the law, you know, constitutional protections, making sure that the public knew that I was going to be the one to support things that weren't going to have a, a, that same scenario with the example I yeah. just gave where the innocent were the ones that were basically being hurt by these policies, whereas the criminal got off, right? They were able to do what they did. And, and uh, you know, there was other layers to it. But uh, when I say renew the rule of law, is really reestablishing what it meant to be a constitutional republic where we actually had strong representation. We made sure that we preserved uh, the interest of of the public. Uh, But then when I I also had the other, uh, there was three R's basically, renew the middle or restore parents' rights, right? So Mm -hmm. that was the second adjective. It was I really wanted to preserve parents' rights. I really wanted them to know that we need to get into a, into a proactive approach to restoring their authority over their children's education and all the things surrounding it, even the moral outcomes that, that we've seen where the, you know, the legislature, which it's funny how I've, I've talked to plenty of, of, of Democrat leaders that or elected officials that would say, Hey, morality doesn't belong in, uh, in, in the government system. Well, you're officially just imposing your morality through what you're doing with the, the, the sex ed and all these yeah. things that you're doing. So, so anyway, so <clears throat> parents' rights, and then the last one is to revive the middle class. That's the econ- economy, right? And the economy, mm-hmm. uh, there's, like you mentioned, Ed, and it's funny because when I think about it, when I think about the economy, California, in my district, Congressional District 18, there, it's a three-pronged approach because we need to also, we need to basically address inflation, address taxes, address the cost of living, right? Yeah. But then you also have to address energy independence, right? That has an implication on the economy. And then also um, the what it means to restore strengthening the very things that produce healthy foods, not just for our country, but ultimately for the rest of the world. And mm-hmm. that's that's our economy, which is the farm and ag economy, right? So they're losing their rights. There's things that they're losing authority. I mean, I'm seeing farms go fallow. I'm seeing uh, family farms going away. Yeah. So that to me was like there's there's there is an innate element of preserving the interest of our farm and ag economy. And that's where I addressed uh, the middle class, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously the last part of it is the small business community, which I'm a small business owner. And I knew that all these things were basically tied together. Yeah. And Peter, it's the reason why I asked you to answer that question is because I voters need to understand of what they missed out the opportunity to elect, right? <clears throat> you should have had 80% vote support. Because what you bring to the table is what we in District 18, 19, and the rest of the California need. Because what we've been dished 
in our politics for the last 20 years is foolish lies upon foolish lies. Right. You know, we have never gotten the truth out of our leaders and they do not represent us. So Congress is supposed to represent what? 500,000 people in chunks. Three three quarters of a million. So 750,000. They're supposed to represent the needs of those people. Right. They're supposed to first off find out what the needs of those people are. They're supposed to interact, act, and continuously stay connected. And then they're supposed to go and represent their constituents. And right. this is what we're not getting. Right. And I can't, you know, unless you go to Florida, you, you're not finding it in California. And so that was the reason why I was asking you to do it. Now, Kristen, you, since you were out there pushing, running, chasing votes all over, remind us again, what does District 18 comprise of? How far up into San Jose and does it go all the way to San Ardo, King City? Yes, it's a <clears throat> very bizarro district, as everyone commented on when they redistricted. They definitely had certain agendas in mind. It's District 18 became literally downtown San Jose and then moved east through an area called Alum Rock of East San Jose. Mm -hmm. Very different from downtown San Jose. Unfortunately, downtown San Jose is, you know, filled with homeless encampments. Right. You know, the, as big cities are, especially in California. No, just California. <laughs> Oregon, Washington. <laughs> you know, yeah. one or two mm -hmm. others across the nation. But, uh, move, you know, so Alum Rock, however a very different part of San Jose, far more ethnic, working class families, smaller houses crammed, you know, very dense. Mm -hmm. um, definitely not Silicon Valley elite, right? If you think of San Jose or Silicon Valley area, you're thinking, oh, Almaden or Los Gatos or Saratoga, all these other areas of San Jose that scream <clears throat> wealth right. and liberal politics, you name it, the east side of San Jose is not that. Very working class and middle class and small businesses galore. Um, and then basically the rest of the district, if you follow the 101 all the way down, starting in Morgan Hill, Gilroy, and through the entire Salinas Valley, all the little towns, as you said, all the way basically to the bottom of Monterey County, mm -hmm. San Ardo, San Miguel. And They're also comprised of all of San Benito County yeah. to the east, which is ginormous in geography, but small in population. And then as well to the west, the district hopped over the hill, as I say, and grabs Watsonville, Pajaro Valley, and Aromas areas. Again, very rural and ag. Watsonville is like a little mini Salinas Valley. So, <clears throat> I don't mean to interrupt, but when you look at the vast po numbers of population and the demographics of there how can they vote for an elitist that lives in a gated community and spends all of her time in dc <clears throat> trashing the will of the people totally disconnected never had any life experience with 90% of the people that belong in district 18 i don't understand it Edward, that's the $50 billion question. <laughs> and and then I do want to get into this because, Peter, did you want to, before Kristen gets on her tirade, do you want to interject here? Go ahead, Chris. Okay. I'll well, and this is something that intrigues the hay out of me. And I'm going to suspend disbelief until we 
receive more of the numbers and have a better view of how this is going to end up percentage-wise, votes-wise. Mm-hmm. But the experiential uh, data that we have from this campaign, talking to voters, Peter was everywhere. And he used to hate me so bad, he'd be like, can I have a day off? I'm like, no, dude, I'm putting stuff on the calendar. We were everywhere. We were at all the all the local festivals, fairs, car shows, uh, you name it. If there was an event with people, we were trotting around at, with our Vote for Pedro shirts on, speaking to people. Very randomly, I might add, we didn't go out and collect a group of a thousand just strict conservatives that thought exactly the same way we did and then took a pulse of, hey, who here likes Peter and thinks Peter would be the right man for this Mm -hmm. job? No, we knocked on random doors. We ran into random people at air shows. We ran into randoms all over the place. A very broad approach if you're, you know, into statistics or whatever. We had incredibly fantastic feedback about Peter. Nine out of ten positivity rating. I mean, if I should have been, I should have been walking around with a clicker mm-hmm. if I actually was going to be a data scientist about this. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, the pulse, the beat, the flavor, the um, interactions we had, the the data, the feedback we got, is in no way commensurate with what we're seeing. These votes, the tallies, come in at the percentages. Completely dichotomous experience, if that's the right word. Right, because Zoe doesn't represent the homeless in downtown San Jose. She doesn't represent the small businesses or the hardworking class in Alum Rock. She definitely doesn't represent anybody in Aromas, Hollister. Well, the same with Salinas. Um, It's funny because in Salinas, well, in the whole district, right? I it, she doesn't speak Spanish. Well, there was there was plenty of times where I would see a, a you know, I I would sometimes start a conversation in Spanish. Hola, compadre, cómo estamos? Cómo está tu día? Like, just and sure enough, I would get it. You know, we'd be having a whole conversation in sure. Spanish, mm-hmm. and and the sentiment was is just the the average folks just want representation, and it's funny because. I've known this Ed for a really long time because I was that person that didn't understand the process. And there was times, and it's funny because when we had some of these candidate forums once, actually, I think it was at the Christ Fellowship Forum, um, it seemed a little bit, I would say, belittling where Miss Lofgren basically said is, uh, Mr. Hernandez says that he wants to educate you. I want to listen to you. I know exactly what she meant when she said that. Yeah. The public probably didn't understand what she meant. And obviously it came off like I'm 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 better than the public, or maybe that's how she tried to position it. The reality is, is no, I mean what I said. And I've said it to the public person to person. I want you to understand what I understand. I want you to know the process like I understand it. Then there is no issue of accountability. You know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And I've loved just from the the idea of even running for office and representation, as I've understood, as I've loved my constitution and my community and my God, is that I've always had that strong conviction that I don't want to be that guy that's sitting on an ivory tower. I really want to see my community prosper. For that to happen, the public has to understand why things are breaking down and how to change that, right? That's where the vote comes in. Yeah. Bottom line is, is that's why as I've gone out there, this, this idea of getting the public to understand that this process was just a passionate part of 
my, 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 you know, my engagement. And then, and then to just touch on that reality, you know, as I've talked to these voters and I've shared these things with them, like, Hey, did you know, this is how this works This is how the bill comes. This is, this is our, you know, we, we're part of the local board of supervisors, right? We're, we're, we're a general law County. You know, we have a relationship with the state as I would share just bits and pieces. Cause it is a long-term game strategy. I got amazing response. I mean, we had one experience, like I mentioned in Salinas where all I did was share what I did when it came to the homeless issue, which was part of the reason why I was there and the public love that I was just transparent. And that's all they want. Right. So, so when you ask how could they vote for someone like Zoe, it's because they don't know if they would have realized and the votes are yet to be counted. So thank you for everybody that voted for me and, and those that put their, their trust and maybe even hesitantly put their trust in me because they said, maybe I see better opportunity out of Peter than, than Zoe. Mm-hmm. But 51% of the voting block of this district is rural, it's ag, it's middle class, it's Latino. That means you would get a guy like me, a local guy who cares about his community, who has strong moral convictions. It's going to go to Washington, D.C. And guess what? The little, ta- the little guy, the small town is actually officially going to be represented. Soledad's right. going to be represented. Gonzalez is going to be represented. San Benito County is going to be represented. You add up that whole voting block, you can unify that district. That was the passion that I had. So by God's grace and with the support of my team and ultimately my conviction, it's like this is something that I believe is so tangible that if they really got that, if they understood it, there's no way they would vote against me. And I had a strong, so much of, so much of a conviction that even when I was out there with the Democrats, right there in front of them, they would tell me they were Democrat and I would share them these things. It didn't take much for them to say that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. At that point, it was just really my ability to penetrate enough of those voters for them for them to be able to vote my way right that's why we work so hard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's why we just work so hard because i knew that message is just a winning message and it still is right that's why my sign said i am congressional district 18 yeah rightfully so delita oh i gotta relay a story um we were knocking doors in Salinas and um, somebody came out and actually he was in his yard working in his yard. And he said, you know, I don't vote and I haven't voted and I'm not going to vote. Well, we brought Peter to him and Peter was speaking to him less than five minutes of just who he was. Mm-hmm. And the gentleman actually, well, I'm going to have to register to vote. Um, I, I, so appreciate you speaking with me about all of this. And that blew my mind because other than are you a D or an R or I don't vote, everybody that we spoke to in Salinas loved everything that Peter was about. Mm-hmm. And when Peter got a hold of them and just spoke to them man to man, man to woman, right. they understood exactly where he was coming from. They saw him for who he was. Mm-hmm. Just simple as that. So it's just, I love that story. I think it's also, we heard so many, you're running for Congress and you're knocking on my door kind of thing. Oh, yeah. It blows people's minds because everyone is so detached from Washington, D.C. What goes on in Washington, it's a a mystery world, right? May as well be. Yeah. And they like it that way in D.C. They like to be remote. No one knows what really goes on behind Mm -hmm. closed doors, Mm -hmm. whatever. They like to keep it that way. But- for people to come across Peter's just as a normal guy saying, you know, here I am, ask me questions. 
I care enough about you. I care enough about this town. I care enough about the process that I'm taking time. I'm, I'm at your door on a Saturday morning or whatever, or I'm out at the county fair or whatever. That speaks volumes and people are blown away at the care and the tangibility of this candidate. Uh, he's not, as he says, you know, behind uh, ivory tower or whatever. He is a real and present figure. Now, by contrast, was Zoe out pounding the pavement? Not, we saw her a couple times at a couple of casual candidate forums where I might add for a little bit of commentary, she looked bored out of her gourd. Anybody, there's, you know, it's on the internet. There's footage of those couple of candidate forums. She looked like she could not have cared less. Anyways. Well, so, she was definitely <laughs> past her her best buy date. <laughs> and you that's know, putting that kindly too. I well, know. I mean, yeah. long past it. But, you know, I think what, what you're saying is the unfortunate truth, which is this legacy people whether it's Panetta to Panetta or Zoe, who's been there for 28 years or whatever it is, you know, they've gone to the point where they aren't worried about getting reelected. They believe that they're going to be there until they feel like they're done and that they have gotten anything they've wanted out of it. And what's sad about that is that is not in the best interest of you and me, you, the listener, me, me the speaker right now because the problem is we're the ones that pay the price they don't care about the price of gas because we pay for their gas they don't care about whether we're our country is independent for energy because we're paying for their energy their cost they don't care if there are police on the streets because they have private security which you and i pay for they don't care about the fact that we're all shifting over to electric vehicles and we can't afford them because they get their electric vehicles literally for free and we are the ones that pay for it well that's a that's a really good point i was just thinking that's funny it's amazing that you uh you you put it that way because that's exactly what i was thinking is the legacy politician you know i prescribe to term limits and and for those that understand it you know they, mm -hmm. they do their homework they realize <laughs> right and these are the things that i want the average person to understand is there is temptation in politics when you get into office everybody wants to do what you basically it's very easy for people to throw money at you for people to basically try to 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 get garner your support right yeah. that's why and uh once you have these leg legacy politicians in office for a long time then they've acquired enough not just wealth they've acquired enough power that it's hard to go against that right it's hard to you know i've had people that i'm not going to mention that tell me peter i really support you but i can't upset zoe right that's a dangerous thing that that reality that you you're literally going to vote against your own best, best interests mm -hmm. for the sake of not upsetting the, the, the one that has their thumb on the, on the power structure. Yeah. They have the control. And, uh, and if they understood that when they, you know, that not only because I prescribed the term limits, but they, if they also understood that if you change that structure where you decreases its, its ability to garner that power and, you know, Zoe has $439 million net worth right now. I, I don't, at $174,000 a year uh, uh, income, I don't think you can, that adds up to $439 million, right? So maybe she won the Powerball. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. So I mean, that's what it would take. So to finish my point, it's, yeah. just, it's just that reality that if you really want things to change, if you want a tangible elected 
public servant to now be in office to do a job and not stay there forever and get out, mm-hmm. then you then you really need to change the dynamics of what politics looks like. That's why grassroots mm-hmm. is so powerful. Because if I get not only a vo- uh, someone to vote for me, but they give me $10 and I get 20,000, 30,000 of those people doing that, then you've officially have way more power over me than when I have a handful of corporations, which my opponent did. And she, she had like $300,000 just from six people or six. Co- yeah. Six her co- average donor, the don't average donation was 60,000. 60, was that what we, yeah. from those, from those big corporations. Right. And that's why if the hundred thousand dollars from Google. Correct. It doesn't seem yeah. like that should be legal. So, so that's why these are tangible things from someone like a guy like me. But if they understood that, otherwise, the very thing that they're upset about is what they're actually voting against because they, they, they're not engaged enough to know that. So what about the media? How was how the media in play on your election? So just today, and it's funny because I called them three times, the Hollister Freelance already said Zoe Lofgren handily defeats Supervisor Hernandez. And we have 30% of the votes turned in, right? We still have 70% more votes or, or well, no, I'm sorry. Well, tw- about 20 something percent more. Yeah. Maybe it, it's all an estimation, right? But if we have 50 to 60% turnout, that means there's a close to 30% more votes. So depending on obviously the total population of each County, Santa Clara is looking to have, Roughly another 70,000 more votes yet to be counted, mm-hmm. right? And then you add that up with Monterey and everything else. I mean, you could have a easily 200,000 votes to, to still total. To go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that means you, you, you've only counted right now 80,000. Mm-hmm. So all that to be said is it's manipulation and, and it's, it's dishonest. I had two interviews at, in the primary, one from KION, one for KSBW. Ask them when is when did they release it? They haven't. They've never released it. Why? Wow. They didn't like my responses. Why? Because they didn't have any nice dramatic things that they could use against me. That's my only estimation. Otherwise, why would they? Uh, why would they interview me just not to put out those interviews? Mm-hmm. Right? It just seems like if you're trying to do the right thing, you're pushed into a corner, and the public. I don't by care the media. Yeah, by, yeah, the, by media. the media. Yeah. yeah. If you're Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter. If you want the right thing, you have to understand the reality of the power structure because it's working against guys like me that will actually want to get things done. Oh, they're working against America. Yeah, my last um, interview that I did the hour before we did you guys is um, a previous member of the Chinese Communist Party. And part of the conversation was about what's going on in America that is mirroring what's been going on for years in China. And um, it's sad that even at the low level of District 18, that the truth is being withheld and manipulated. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. Um, the exact same thing happened when I ran against Panetta. And that's how I saw it before the primaries is I was told by farmers and small business owners, I really like everything you stand for. I really like everything that you want to do, mm-hmm. but we cannot upset Panetta. I heard this over and over again by the small business owners and by farmers right out of the horse's mouth. But the thing is this, nothing is going to change. Nothing until everyone starts standing up strong. And yes, there's going to be pushback and there's going to be consequences, but that's the price we have to pay if we want things to change and to fix things. That's You have to do that. We're doing it. Peter's doing it. Yeah. 
I did it. I'm continuing to do it through grassroots efforts. Right. We're all doing it, but everybody has to do it. You can't stand by the sideline. You can't say, I don't want to upset. I don't want to go against the power structure. That is no longer possible. That is not going to work anymore. Everyone has got to do it. And small business owners, you're the backbone of America. Mm -hmm. Farmers, you're the backbone of America. You have to stand with us. You have to stand with the right candidate and you have to announce that and make it public. Well, it has to be a broader than just District 18 push. I mean, it has to be statewide. Now, in 2010, the Tea Party, do you remember the Tea Party? It made a huge impact for the 2010. It literally changed the direction of the how it turned out. It had a little impact on 12, petered out in 14 because Obama at the time used the IRS to attack the Tea Party, right? And um, But there's lessons to be learned because here's the deal. What I'm seeing is we don't have much control over the results of this election because what's going on behind closed doors with the vote counting, whether it's in Monterey County or whether it's in any district within the state of California and across our country, we don't, it's kind of too little too late. I'm strong in support of you, Peter. You know that you've been here multiple times, but we can't stop here. And that's my message is that we have to learn the lessons that occurred. You know, we had to find better funding. We have to continue to get our message out, but our message has to be clear, concise, and to the point. You know, I appreciate you wanting to educate the the voters, and that's a part of it. But what the voters hear better is you understand the fact that the when I go fill up my tank, it's painful because it's twice as much. And you say, I am going to go to Washington to attack that issue. The cost of food, the cost of energy, your bills, your taxes. These are the things that the voter should and does care about. Now, we all sit back and, and scratch our head about what's going on in Washington, D.C. We, we don't know because we know that they're doing everything they can to prevent us from knowing. It. The same reason why they manipulate and manage the media. You know, they're in control of the message. And it should have been a red wave, and it wasn't a red wave, partially due to the fact that the Republicans didn't have a strong, logical use of their message. They put stupid people running for positions. I mean, Dr. Oz is running on the platform of Dr. Oz. I mean, come on. We can do a better job. And what we have to do is recognize the fact that now that you're not going to be a supervisor anymore we should take up all that thing and try to figure out how to continue to read and push out your message to district 18 so in two years you do win so um yeah and uh like we said earlier the the votes are yet to be finished or tallied but uh to your point and actually earlier we were talking about uh you know, what does it look like to be grassroots? You mentioned the Tea Party movement. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot for sure. As a small business owner, you have to have a game plan for your year, right? So to your point is, is 
and this was part of the struggle that I had when I was campaigning is I did have the GOP reach out and say, hey, Peter, there's a training here. There's a training there. And I'm like, I'm in the middle of the campaign. This is not the time. So it's all about basically being organized. And I think the grassroots is powerful. I think I want and I, I need to make one strong point is I would say maybe five to 10 percent of my volunteer team was uh, cent- you know local central committee GOP folks. The yeah. majority of them were average people. They were like they were they were like Dalila said, just as grassroots as it gets. They were Christian folks. They were they were America first folks. They were just different, just average person that basically said, "Is I want to make a difference. I'm seeing this this country going in the wrong path. I need to get engaged. Otherwise, I'm going to get depressed. I need mm-hmm. to use that energy in the in a in a positive direction." So we need to be at a position where we're 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 already strategizing today building up the 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 team getting we really need to line up the trainings for people to understand grass you know ultimately campaigning right what is it's like what i mentioned with chris when i was campaigning is uh there's two things that i need to do one is i need to talk the number one is talking to the voter and yeah. two is to raise money to talk to the voter that's it that's my goal <clears throat> so if we're thinking about strategy we need to get the training happening on how a campaign functions, how to fundraise, <clears throat> what is the message that we're going to have, how do I prepare that message, and ultimately once the campaign actually, you know, campaign season actually starts, then at that point I have everything lined up. I have the funding dialed up. I have the su- support system lined up, and we're ready to hit the ground running from day one, January first. Yeah. Now, a suggestion I would make is that after this cycle is done is that you reach out to anybody else in the state of California that is in alignment with you, win or lose, and start thinking about creating an association, a single effort to tackle this so that we are stronger and better off in 2024. Because not only do we need to leave when you in District 18, but we need to win everybody else. This is a statewide problem and we can't do that. So in final, what else do you wanna got? We got 10 seconds. Yeah, to be continued, how's that? Thank you. We need to keep revisiting this because it's, uh, I don't think we've touched a lot of the issues, but I think it's surface level. There's a lot more work to do on bigger, deeper levels for our country and for our state into all this yeah. and I just want to say thank you to all grassroots <laughs> thank you yes alright thank you everybody stay engaged stay hopeful and keep in the fight that's how you overcome and you've been listening to Business Sense Radio with your host Edward King you can contact Edward King through our website businesssenseradio.com and be sure to join us again next week at this same time on this very station for another edition of Business Sense Radio Seating was a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management.